Uh, yeah. Check it out. Welcome to the Books by Authors podcast. How you doing today? Hey, I'm good. What's up, man? Hey, not much, not much, not much. So why don't you introduce yourself for the folks? I am A.R. Mirabal. I am a science fiction fantasy author. Uh, Allegory of the End is actually kind of also dystopian. Mm. But I would say my general branch of genre that I'm going to be sticking with, with a long time with is science fiction fantasy. But I like to include, you know, elements of philosophy, as we talked about yesterday and uh, when we kind of first met in my podcast. And then um, I also I'm comedy, huge fan of comedy. And that's mm. a main thing I always like, love to stress in anything I'm writing. It's just a, a major element to me. Word, word. So before we get started, where can listeners connect with you? Where can they find your stuff? Instagram, at Allegory of the End, is uh, the main one that I have for myself. Then there's at Official Neotino, which is the other one more for the company side. Then Twitter, official, at official Neotino. Reddit, Official Neotino is the username. We actually have some, a couple of stuff posted there. And then... AR's Tales, aka the ART podcast on Spotify, iTunes, you know, all that stuff. And then the big hub of everything is neotino.net. You can find everything there. We have some merch coming out soon, some bookmarks that I, I made uh, I made yours uh, today. Yes, I was messing thank around you. with a couple things. Yeah, that was really cool working on it. Uh, the graphic I actually made for that the, is actually called the Council of Gods. <laughs> That's actually why I chose it. And I don't know if you were able to like see the good enough detail. Hopefully, uh, I actually don't have it right now in front of me. I'd have to go up and get it. But uh, it actually, if you see it, the, the person that's kind of in the, the center of the graphic with the halo around him is what I kind of was envisioning as your high king. It was actually hey. a really cool. Yeah, it was actually a really cool thing that, uh, yeah, it came out really, it came out cool. Weird. So how did, let's, let's start off with how did you get involved with writing? What was that? What, what was sparked that interest? Well, I was always really bad in school. And uh, I feel like that was like more of, well, I, I don't want to blame the educational system. But I will say like, if you want to take some like scientific, like graphical notes, all my grades shot up when I had bet when I had teachers that actually like interacted in a way that I liked. You know what I mean? Like I did horribly and absolutely everything. And then out of nowhere, I had a good teacher in history and then I got horrible grades and everything, but I had A's in history. And then I had an English teacher that just sparked my interest in literature. It wasn't even an idea that I liked writing, but he just sparked my like love of literature. And his thing is that he just had a great way of expressing his own passion so I remember we did like the common thing, Shakespeare, right? The, the thing that everybody like reads through. And I remember there was something that he said that I, it, to this day, it is a guiding principle, not only in writing, but in life. It's a guiding philosophy. And it was in a, he was dissecting the, the line by any other name, a rose by any other name would be just as sweet, hmm. right? And he was saying that that line is so much more then, then it leads on. It's not, he's not just saying it in the, in the term of like, he's not just saying some like slick, you know, pickup lines some sweet nothing to try to get, you know, in her panties. He is saying something that's almost like philosophical. He's saying that like the words that we say are nothing, but just, you know, 
sounds that our mouth make and like we agree on the thing that like actually has any potential is the intent we say behind it and his example was that like if you for if whatever reason we lived in a universe where a rose was called crap and crap was called rose then it wouldn't take away from the fact that that in that universe crap Mm. is a a beautiful flower and you want to smell crap when you walk by right and yeah. then vice versa you know like, like like oh man he you saw that rose that he just uh dropped over there it smells horrible it you know what i mean yeah it, it would just a, a word is nothing but the intent behind it mm. and uh i i don't know i guess like at, at that age that just really sparked something in me and uh from there it was just again it was just that whole thing of like from there my grades in english just shot up but it was nothing more than from there I started reading a lot more. I mean, I had always read, but it was more like escapism. I had moved around a lot. And uh, I just love getting into like, you know, fictional worlds and all those type of things. And like what we talked about yesterday, mm-hmm. I love playing with my toys and making intense plots. And, you know, all uh, the thing we were talking about yesterday, I love that we both connected on it, the, that we were both like around Christmas time, around like, you know, right around this area. It would be like, you know, like the recruiting season, all the new toys would be coming yep. in. It would be like, you know, like a whole new plot line. And I, I love that. And thinking back on it, it's one of those things like, oh, yeah, you're a knucklehead. Like you should have known this from the beginning. But I didn't know. I truly didn't even think that I was going to get into writing at all. It didn't come until when I got into college and I would be, you know, hanging out with my friends. Uh, engineering school, Wentworth, A. Boston, right? Yes, Down the sir. street from uh, Manual College of the Fenway. And while I was going to school, I would hang out with my friends and we would just all just love talking about like, this was before Black Mirror, but we would all love talking mm-hmm. about like high levels of technology and kind of like twisting it around be like, oh, what if blah, 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 right? And I would, I would love like, you know, holding choir for that conversation. I'd be like, you know, just, you know, like boosting everything up and like really like, I would always like bring up the conversations and keep everything going. I would keep like almost like a log in my head. It's like, all right, well, last time we were talking about da 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 da. And it got to the point that like no one else was really injecting information as much as just like me going on and on and on. People going like, oh yeah, that was cool. Oh yeah, huh? that'd, be, that'd be crazy. And then it just mm. got from the point that it, it went from a, a quick conversation as something I would just like, you know, like talk with my friends about to something that I would go to sleep thinking about. I would be at the gym and I'd be listening to music and I would put that on pause because I wanted to think about the book instead. It was like, that was more interesting to me. Yeah. And and not even the book. It wasn't even a book then. It was just this idea that I had. And it expanded. That idea expanded up until about 12 books, honestly. Hmm. That they were just like a lot like plotted out in like this like multiverse thing that had that I had created. And by that point, I was like, all right, I got to start going with it. And then I had almost like a, a weird type of dream that right after a friendship that I had, when I went to college, I had a friend that I dormed with my freshman year that I had known my entire life. Well, I can't say my entire life. I had known him for about 10 years. And, but since I had moved around a lot, he was the longest friend I had remained in contact with. Yeah. So for me, that was the longest, you know, that was the craziest thing ever. But when we got to college, for whatever reason, we immediately disconnected it was just like it, it was like that thing of like the personality that he matured to be the personality that i matured to be were just on different lengths and like looking back on it now it was like i, I can like dissect that bad then it was like you know you think about it like someone in, in a war sense you know what i mean yeah that's, it's, <laughs> so that's i got moment yeah so i got obsessed with the idea of that like um a person 
can look at a, a situation so vividly different at point A versus point B. And I got obsessed with that idea. And that's where the idea of allegory of the end came in. And, you know, the, the paintings behind me are all like in that thing. They're all uh, o- OCs of like that, that black hole incident, which is like, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like the Breaking Bad thing. I don't know if we had talked about that yesterday in one of the awesome shows that gave us inspiration. But um, I don't know if you ever wa- watched Breaking Bad, but oh, yeah, the beginning absolutely. of Breaking, yeah, the be- beginning of Breaking Bad always start off with like some crazy abstract scene, you know, like a, a car jumping with a hydraulic. There's bullet shells hanging around from the left and right side. You look, it's, it's black and white. The camera's zooming out, but you're not getting any more information. You're just getting more questions. You're like, what the, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. And then by the end, you know, 45 minutes later, that's answered for you. Yeah, it all makes sense. And, you know, and you're literally taking, you know, you're, you're calling up your Roombas, you know, you're taking a, whatever cleaning utensils you have to clean up your brains and splattered all around the <laughs> kitchen floor, you know, and you're not even in the kitchen. I mean, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you lost your mind, right? It's the craziest thing ever. I got obsessed with that idea. So then I kind of melded those ideas of like, you know, the dissonance that people can have and like the how things can seem in like such a war sense and then I made it into an actual war. And then I interjected all the sci-fi elements into it. And at first, and, I, and I'm more than happy spoiling all of this because I don't use that anymore. My first draft of it was actually more superhero like based. Mm. Like Zayko and Jid at first were these like two characters that I made that they were going to live in, in the same type of like dystopian type of thing. And my version of dystopia isn't dystopian automatically. A lot of things that I see now in like the whole dystopian genre is people tend to immediately start off with like something that's obviously horrible and obviously supposed to be allegorical to like, you know, something reflective in our own society, yeah. right? Like Hunger Games, like you, you start off, and I love Hunger Games. I'm not trusting that. I, one of the best uh, dystopian sci-fi series out there, just honestly. But uh, like it starts off, in, you know, in, in District 12, and it's just like, you know, it's obviously bad. It's just like, okay, we get it. It's like, you know, like terrible. This is like, it, it seems great. And the whole dystopian aspect of it is when you start like dissecting that, like the little nuances are as like, you know, everything that it seems cool ha- comes with a price basically. And you start mm. realizing that those prices are a lot higher than you're probably willing to pay. Mm. And that to me is where true dystopian comes from. It's more kind of like, like it starts off being awesome like my idea of dystopian is utopian and then start slowly realizing that like there is no such thing as a utopia you know what i mean that there's like dark corners like in order to achieve those like high points that you want you got to get to a lot you know there's a lot of broken eggshells at the bottom of of that mountain Mm -hmm. and uh you know all all those things are just things i try to blend in together and like like I said, at first it was the whole superhero sense, and at first I I made it that they were gonna, cause Jid is like the, like the, um, engineering mind, right? He's mm-hmm. like the the scientific uh, kind of uh, more introvert, and then Zayko is the extrovert. He's he's that guy, right? That's why like when, in that twenty years in the twenty year gap, Zayko is still that guy, but now he's the guy of the planet basically, and Jid is kind of like on on the side doing his own thing, right? So when I had first developed it, it was that they were going to, Jid was going to make like a, develop like a mech suit for them and they were going to like fight crime. And then they were going to, it was going to devolve into like this whole thing of, 
it was almost like what were you talking about yesterday that your first draft is that you write the book for yourself yeah and then you start taking up like a, a lot of stuff well i the reason i had done it that way is because i wanted the whole philosophy aspect of it to be as obvious as possible so like you know when they got to that point that they have to like kill somebody they have like the whole obvious aspect of like oh should we have done that and at the time i thought that was like revolutionary but then like i you know <laughs> yeah time goes on you're like <laughs> yeah okay. time realized on it's like oh that's cliche it, like it's been done so much so like you have to kind of like dial back and give hint to those type of things but then more detail on the things that are not only unique but the things that like are entertaining in a, in a way you know like you don't have to uh to describe a dystopian like state right you could have a, you know a long prose talking about like you know this whole dense philosophical prose talking about how you know x y and z and all these things and using all these beautiful alliterations or you could have two characters you know talking smack to one another and just mm -hmm. from their little cues of talking about their own society you start picking up that it's way different than your own yeah and and that's the type of things that i guess when you do like that second draft like we talked about yesterday is like things you start picking up on and you know from there everything just built built forward and I, then i ended up with allegory of the end volume one and then so forth and so on so so a question i had um you touched on it a little bit what's one of the big mistakes you see people make new authors new writers as they're as they're coming up with their stories or they're even just developing their plots oh man we could we could talk a lot about that uh well i'll give you one i'll, I'll give you one quick one just uh it's one of those things like when a person asks you like your favorite movie and mm. it's like when they ask you on the spot you're like oh man i have like a 15 billion but like i can't think of it any right now i can think of one right now and it's when people try to make their characters caricatures instead of people. Mm. So like they'll they'll try to make uh, they're they're like all right well I need I need this character and he's gonna be the bad guy. So then they make everything that he does incredibly bad, almost to the point that it's meme worthy. And like that really takes a person out of a story because then you you can't believe that their own motivations are real that they're just like heightened. Same version is like if you, if you want to make like a person a person like really cool and uh like really interesting then you make the, you fall into like the category of like a, a mary sue and then right then you you no longer believe in your character because the whole point that makes a, a, a something entertaining and i'll be honest great works do this and and, and it, there is a way to do it harry potter is a mary sue and a half all right and that is one of the most successful series ever so you know there are ways there are ways of doing it very well but I guess when it comes to my own writing and what I would like to avoid is when you come into that whole thing, because then you don't really believe in the environment anymore. If you think that the character is always going to survive the predicament thrown at him or her or the dog or whatever is your, whoever, or whatever is your main seat, your MC, then what's the point in turning to the next chapter, or the next page, like the entire, it's the whole magnet analogy that i used yesterday the entire planet moves to the movements of your character so mm -hmm. it's like you know what is the point what is, what is even the point of your side characters they're just mirrors reflecting the sun that is this mc <laughs> yeah you make a good point there because 
I think that is one of the pieces that gets lost in character creation as people are developing, especially this happens with side characters, but it also happens with main characters. It's that they create a character to play a role, not be a, a, an active member of the cast, right? That's like better. Well, that's better said than I, that I was, but basically what I was trying to say. Yeah. It's like, don't, 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 typecast your character and say this yeah. is they're bad so everything is bad you want you want a character to be a human or be person or be an alien but you want them to have their own their own way of thinking their own logic um, there needs to be a through line yeah there has to be something deeper than just be one note um in the mary sue character that exists man like you create something that's too cool and always gets away and always survives and those stories are Sometimes they're hard to to believe because it is the like that chosen one, the chosen extraction. one extraction. You told me about it yesterday. Look, I mean, yes, Mary Sue's are made every day, folks. You know, we're not saying that like they shouldn't be made. <laughs> There's a, a great analogy that an author that I interviewed said that was like that. This is a buffet. Do you really want to go into a buffet where there's only lobster and steak? You want chicken nuggets and a hamburger every any, every once in a while. <laughs> it's just how it is. I, yeah. I'm not knocking it, and I'm I'm not even saying that what we're serving is ham is you know the lobster and steak. Maybe we're the hamburgers, dog. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Know what I mean? Yes. But you have to you have to take everything, man. It's not it's not how it goes, you know. Yeah. So so when you're when you're developing characters. What are the what are the, the things you think about as you're creating? I've talked to people who they use character profiles. They some people do sur- like surveys and what do all mean types profiles. What so they'll mean? so they'll start like they'll make a list of different characteristics that their character has to get. Like they'll have to write down the height. They have to write down eye color. Whoa. They'll create the whole thing. I I know it's not something I do personally. Um, That's interesting. I, I tried for a moment to make a card that had where they were from, and I was like, I can just remember it. But yeah, like I said, like that. I got to like twelve books all in my head before I wrote anything down. Mm. So how do you uh, how do you create your characters? Um, I mean, this is gonna sound weird, but like I guess I don't feel that weird about it any <laughs> anymore because I, I had an author that told me that she had like the same exact thing and i was like all right i'm not a weirdo there's something about the way that like the story comes together the way that like the characters really just put themselves in it Mm. it's kind of weird it's like weird to say but like it, it like man i couldn't tell you how i ever made a character it was more just like oh and then this and then that and then they just like kind of just pop up they just populate their own story as like kind of like a need because like you can't make a character just for a specific need, but like most characters have, I mean, all characters have a need. It's just, they just can't be two dimensional. They have to be serve your need and then also have like their own thing. And that's basically how it is. And on top of that, like just about every character, because I also like the, like the whole, what Stan Lee did. Yeah. Like the fact that when you, you know, you watch Spider-Man, a person that he'll bump into by mistake and like you know, series two will have will be a, a whole super villain or a whole superhero in their own right. You know, a, a year later, I love that because it, it really makes it feel like it's a Marvel universe. Like th- they exist in a place that the character is not a Harry Potter thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the characters truly exist in a place, and it's not just the characters. The characters are just one lens in a huge 
area. And I love that. Uh, so in that same vein, a lot of my characters have their own little thing too. Like Allegory of the End, the, the book I'm writing right now isn't volume two. It's Iris of Mercy, which is since there's a 20 year gap, there's one character that comes out immediately and he like is obviously uh, an enigma. He's a black sheep mm-hmm. and there's a, a lot of mysteries uh, like shrouding him that you eventually pick up on, on hints of, but you don't really get a lot of. This is his point of view of what happens in those years, basically. Mm. And then there's another character, Alice, who has kind of a, a same treatment, but in the opposite sense, where she, and when, when they're younger, she's a very prominent character. And when they're older, she, just, she doesn't even appear. Her name isn't mentioned once. So it's just kind of like that thing of like, oh, what happened to her? And then, <laughs> you know, that gets answered here. Yes. Uh, and, and I love those type of things because, you know, you'll, you'll one time get that one beta reader that thinks they're slick. It's like, oh, you forgot about an entire character. It's like, oh, you really think? Come on. <laughs> you really Where think are I you? A, I put a character in here. A whole forgot. character that forgot about it? Come on, G. I'll give you that over, like, you know, a coin that they dropped in, like, chapter two. I'll give you that. Maybe I forgot that. Uh, you think I forgot a whole character? <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, what, is, what does a marketing plan look like to you? Um, when you're creating a marketing plan or the marketing plan, both. All right. Well, a marketing plan for any author, uh, if you're going the self-publishing route, which I think is the route we talked about it yesterday. Mm -hmm. I really think it is. It's, it's the move truly. I don't even, if, if I got approached by a a traditional, a big publisher, I don't know if I would go this route. I mean, right now it's hard to say because just because like, you know, we're so indie, that it's just like any amount of money like that would be like, hey. but, like <laughs> but I think it, I think even mild success and somebody would approach me, I, I'd be like, nah, this is, this is the route I'm going. Cause I really do believe in this industry. I do believe that we can, that we can kind of like change the monotony of how everything's going on and how things are being purchased. I think we can put a lot more respect on the, on the hands of the authors. Cause right now writers are just not having the type of respect mm. that they deserve. I mean, you look at any musician and within like three weeks of like them having like a, a, a good song they're you know, they have like these chains on and not, and I'll be honest right now, that's all tomfoolery, you know, that's all the, the, the industry giving them money and then like putting it on debt forever. And then, you know, that's why they have to like pump out like 12 albums in 10 years. Mm. And, you know, and that we're, we're not going to get into the whole, that whole horrible thing, but it's the high ideas that like there's respect behind that industry. Whereas like authors are good, you know, how, you know how many authors will like follow me and I'll be like, oh, cool, wow. And then I look into them and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, this is a legit author. Mm. This is a legit author. This is a best-selling author. This is like, a, I've seen their books yep. on the shelf and like when I was a kid, this is a real person. And they have 12,000 followers and they just followed me like, I'm, um, you know, who the haha, you know, like I, I'm losing, <laughs> you know, I'm losing my mind. It's like, where's the respect? Why do they not have like 1.2 million, like, you know, Whoever the heck in the music industry or whoever the heck de- doing, you know, dude, comedians, com- why, why can't we at least have the respect that comedians have? You know, it's, market- it's marketing. It's, the, it's, it's all branded. marketing. It's, that's what Brand. I'm saying. So to answer your question, the whole tangent that I just went on, marketing will start off with social media accounts. And I'll tell you that right now. I hate social media. You can verify me. I did not have social media until one and a half month ago. And that was for this book. Mm. 
And that is across everything. I had nothing, no, no IG, no Instagram, no nothing, nothing, nothing. And now I have all that. So I can tell you if you, if you even think that you're OG like that and you're cool and you try to use the logic that I use, like, oh, well, Stephen King didn't have uh, Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen King also came out when that was a possibility. Get your head out of your derriere, my G. Like, you know, that, that it's not going to fly. You, this is the, it, it really is the move immediately get connected to a, to a cool audience. I would recommend the writing community and the bookish. I mean, it's, mm. it's essential really. Mm-hmm. And shout out to all the bookish and writing community, you know, indie authors, all them, you know, I gotta, I, we gotta have a gang sign so we can throw up and I get shot at. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know where that's from, right? Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Chappelle's yeah. catches. Yeah. yeah. Um, Man, Deja Bell's a great writer. But, um, man, I actually just got so lost in that skit for a second. I no, forgot it, what I was talking it, about. It, it, it's important because getting connected online, having social media, having a presence, all of that matters yes. because you're building a brand. You're building uh, a platform. And not only that, it's interaction as well because, mm. uh, like, for example, just um, an- another great advice that if I could give out to your listeners or anybody – that will eventually listen on. Uh, do as much as you can in house. Mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine handle my social media because I at first was on that OG thinking of like, oh well, I understand that I might need social media, but I don't want to do social media. So I outsourced it, thinking that I would, you know, do all my content, then I would have that going on a separate route, and not even just saying how poorly that went in itself and how much I had to take over just in just like pure. I mean, when I took over, we had 400 followers and we were following 3,300 people of those 3,300 people. I'm not kidding you. There were at least four or 500 with like one picture. Oh man. (laughs) It was just like, and they were, and none of them were following me. I'm like, dog, why, (laughs) where did you get this idea? And then, like, you know, when I took it over and then I found the bookish community, it was just, like, it was night and day. Because it was, like, you know, I'm looking at those numbers, like, how statistically could this have happened so poorly? Mm. And then you switch it and then it's immediate, you know, people are mentioning you, people are tagging you and things, you're tagging people. And it's lovely. It's beautiful, truly. And that all goes into helping you. Because as far as a marketing plan goes, that not only do you connect yourself with fellow authors, and it was something we were talking about yesterday, just the way that, same way that comedians are doing it, I think all authors should have their own little podcast, their own little thing, right, to promote themselves and to invite other authors and dissect each other's minds and just really have like mm-hmm. a, a beautiful network of people in, connecting and talking and discussing ideas. But you also do it because you're connecting with reviewers. And that's mm. actually a big thing. And a lot of these reviewers, I'm trying to tell you, you they almost make it seem with how, how the amount of work they do that they're a paid service, but a lot of them aren't. And I've been approached. It's just like, it's not even a thing. I've been approached and I've approached people and they'll do it for absolutely free. I'm telling you that mm. they'll actually read your book, which is not a light thing. All right. That's, you know, imagine telling, imagine giving somebody a, 278 page homework assignment oh yeah and then post about it and review and make like a cute little like ig post 
you know that's a lot of work and these yeah. people are willing to do it for free just because they believe in the community the same way that you're willing to believe in the community and all those things grow and all those things come to you you have to have a good market you have to have a good marketing plan strategically there are a lot of uh, merch companies that will are buy on demand meaning that you'll set up a service with the company free of charge you set up a graphic with them they'll give you a price standard so like all right this sweater cost 12.50 to merch uh, to produce you can set the price on your end for whatever you want you know you can make it to $15 and make like $3 which would mm. make you no money and be pretty dumb when you when you actually factor in you know what it costs to run an online merchant website yep or you can set it at more reasonable like 25 some people go 30 even as far as like 40 and i and those are all good depending on the graphic you know what i mean if you simply just take your book outline and put like a, a quick word on it and put and sell it for 40 dollars, it's kind of kind of mean but if you you know if you actually take like a pretty cool graphic that you, you believe in your book cover and you transition into a nice cover and you know set it up pretty nicely it's something that can really be done and on your end on a business perspective um and i do have my mind in business is uh you have to kind of think about it that everything is uh, an investment versus capital versus return on investment mm. this is pretty easy because there's not anything coming out of you other than time spent you spent like four hours designing the graphic putting everything on and i'm telling you they put it on everything you can get a mug everything and then you just outsource all those links on your website and then now you have merch and those are literally a four or five hour investment and now that's just a thing that's running now you sell your books and if a person's really about you and really wants to support you now they just spent you know now they basically just gave you eight dollars nine dollars ten dollars of profit on a merch sweater or a cup or whatever it is mm. and those are the type of things that continue growing because you know you have to you have to analyze all your own sales so if for whatever reason you, you start getting a boost in graphics and, and, and like tees and like things like that, then you start, you got to go and look up a graphic tee design and, you know, get, you know, mm -hmm. boost your graphics up. If you're get if you're seeing rises in, in sweater sales, you got to get your sweater game up, bro. Obvious. Yeah. yeah and it's, and it's, it is recognizing, right. That the book can be the introduction to the rest of the brand and the rest of the business. Exactly. And, the, and you were, cause I, I was almost scared that you were going to say that the book could be the introduction to the saga. It's like, nah, introduction to the brand. It's like introduction mm -hmm. to a whole, to the whole thing, you know? Yeah. And, and the, the big part, uh, I think podcasts really do a good job at it. It's really introducing and connecting you to your audience, being able to talk directly to your audience, being able to talk to people um, about something you're passionate about, and then introducing others to the platform and uh, introducing other people to the audience. Because really, we talked about, a little bit about this yesterday. It's like helping other people grow is also important. It's not all about just yourself, you can Definitely. also help everyone else. And being a part of the community kind of entails that you're a part of the community. You're part of everyone's um, process. Yeah, and that, that, goes, that goes a long way in a lot of different things. Um, one mistake that I'll see in, in people's marketing is when they'll go too hard on the, I almost want to say narcissism, mm. where every time, all right, let's say that a person... We talked about it kind of yesterday. Let's say that a person comes up and goes like, hey, recommend me a book. I will see a lot of people come up and then post their own book. It's like, dude, kind of 
tongue. You know what I mean? That's kind of on the nose. <laughs> so like, of course don't, you're don't, yeah, don't, your don't you yourself feel a little weird. All right, you got to think everything. It's like, a, like it's a real life interaction. So imagine if a person came up and goes like, hey, who do you think is a pretty cool person? You came up, I'm a cool person. <laughs> Me. That's weird, right? Yeah, a little bit. Nah. Little like bit. The, the real cool person would be like, ah, oh, you know who's cool? That guy over there. That's, a, that's the actual cool move. So you, you got to like do the same way and, and you can't be fake about it. And it's like, you, you know what I mean? You just got to throw love. So if a person throw like, you know, like, like, Oh, what's a cool book. You got to be like, Hey, you know, I just interviewed a guy a couple of days ago. You know, he has a cool book coming out, whole like series coming out called the high council religious. You, it's going to be crazy. You know what's So like, interesting. You got to do that. You know what's what I mean? So interesting. That's what most people. I just, I just did this earlier today. One of my coworkers, we were talking about, uh, she saw the microphone and all that. And she was like, Oh, you do podcasts. Talked about the books podcast. Yeah. And she was like, Oh, do you have any books you would recommend? And the first thing I thought, I was like, well, I'm reading wings of fate right now by sky horn. So shouted her out real quick. Uh, my coworker is from Ireland, and that's where the book is set. And this lady ordered the book right in front of me, so I was like, "This is this is what it's all about." And Sky has a series, so yeah. uh, hopefully she likes book one, and then keep on with the rest. And that just helps everyone grow. Yeah, I mean, I do it with my family. Honest mm-hmm. to God, like I'll, I'll be, we'll have like when I have a really cool interview with a person, I'll call up a person in my family. And be like, hey, you know, be on the lookout for X, Y, and Z. One that I'll give a shout out right now, Israel's Rising by Steve Argams. Mm. Oh, my God. It was such a cool murder thriller mystery. Truly, truly, truly. Such a good book. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's on Kindle. I mean, the it's just, it's amazing. I, I love the, the writing of it. The, the um, I mean, I remember when, we, when we had our podcast discussion, we had a whole th- bit about prologue and how a lot of authors nowadays, especially younger ones, don't believe in prologues. They just believe in hopping into chapter one because what's the point in like, you know, all the frivolous, you know, banter between mm. what before. And we just had a great talk about like why they're a necessity. And then we, his prologue is just so amazing because it's from the point of view of the killer. So it's like uh, he, use the term cat and mouse i had never heard about it before but i guess it's kind of like a common thing in the genre Mm -hmm. and it really is a cat and mouse game where the entire time you're seeing both elements you're seeing tommy and jerry and you're really like oh man is this cat gonna get the mouse or is this mouse really too slick and it is the way that he does it is just great i mean he did his father was a cop for like all for like all his life he was in corrections himself like it, it, and it and it comes out in the writing, you know. I love that. Another one, Mark King, by uh, Nikki Nicolette Beebe. My God, it's just like she had like a whole scene about like her doing Taekwondo, the character doing Taekwondo, and I like called her out. I was like, oh man, that was technical, and she was like, oh yeah, I'm a black belt ta- Taekwondo, and I'm oh. like, yeah, obvious, makes yeah, sense. I you know what I mean? Out. Facts, get it? Science, and. Uh, and I, I really believe in that too. I myself, when I started writing Irons of Mercy, like I said, it, it's kind of um, not the sequel, but kind of the parallel, right? The equal. Some, somebody said that on Reddit and I like that mm. a lot. The equal of Allegory of the End is um, Irons of Mercy, picking up from the story of Alice and Hobbes. And their whole thing is a lot more martial arty. So Jid and Zayko 
the whole reason it's called the allegory of the end is because it mimics allegory of the cave by Socrates. Are you familiar with that whole no. like, that whole story? So very simply, it's uh it's kind of like almost a, a thought experiment type of thing where three men go into a cave and they sit with their backs turned to the center of the cave and looking at a wall mm-hmm. and behind them is a fire and they look at a wall and they never I can't remember if they physically are unable to look to the sides or they just like are told to look to the side uh, to never look to open, only look forward and they just only do that but no matter the case they only look forward and they never look to the sides right they never turn their heads and behind them they see all these crazy uh, you know shadow figures and all these crazy noises and like echoes and things like that and they walk out basically never having confirmed what was behind them. Because you know how shadows can distort things. You know how things can sound a lot differently in a, in a cave and an echo. So like something that can seem monstrous could be regular. So then the whole allegory of it, which is an allegory just simply means a, like a story that you say just to illustrate a philosophical point. And the whole allegory of the cave was what is reality? Is mm-hmm. reality what we perceive? Or is reality what we like want it to be basically and i love that whole thing so the allegory of the end well i'm not gonna that's what i guess the mm-hmm. reader should like find out mm-hmm. uh because honestly there is no like distinct answer I, i'm not even trying to be like coy here it's, be, it's uh, because it's almost like um like at the end of it you should almost like be able to write like a, a little college like little paper on it like what do you think the allegory of the end was mm. like that that was kind of like my thought that's like kind of like my desire is because that's that's kind of like the whole thing it's like i kind of throw a lot of elements at you and you it's kind of like what do you think what is the allegory of the end you know yeah. that's kind of where the title comes from and yeah um and but the, just like the different types and turns and when i got into eyes of mercy it's complete opposite of that because you have Zeko and Jid who are extremely philosophical characters. Jid is philosophical in the Socrates sense where every single step that he makes, he has to contemplate and blah, blah. And that kind of adds to his inaction as a character. Mm. And that whereas Zeko is the art of war philo- uh, philosophy, whereas his whole thing is like, why do people tick? You know, he's on, he's on the power side of philosophy, you know, but they're yeah. both philosophers in, in their own right. Haas is not a philosopher. Haas is an idiot. And I actually love writing that character because since I wrote Allegory of the End, well, since Allegory of the End, the entire series is through first-person point of view, Eyes of Mercy is actually through narrative. And I'm writing it that the narrator is, like, witty and is making fun of Haas. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like... Interesting. Yeah, so Haas is just, like... But, like, you really appreciate it, though. Haas is the type of person that, like, there's a door and he is literally bashing his head to try to, like, open it. But it's, it's like, you look at him like, dude, there's a doorknob right there. And he's like, no, 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 no. I said I'm going to do it with my head. I'm doing it with my head. That's what we're doing. And it's just, like, you look at him because it's, like, so idiotic, but you almost, like, you almost respect it, you know? Mm. It's almost, like, cool that, like, he can be that moronic. Uh, so <laughs> Iris of Mercy is set on on like a way more martial art term and i realized as i was writing it's like i don't have martial art background like how am i really going to be able to write this so i got Mm. into kickboxing and that led into muay thai and then that's when i started like doubling back and it it really gave a whole new 
breath of air. So that's another tip that I would definitely give to anybody as aspire, aspiring writers like uh, listening on. Mm. Definitely write what you know. There is another thing that I see a huge error coming up in like people writing is when, you know, I'll see them make like a fantasy series like a fantasy like a whole like world and whatnot and they'll have their character who's a mary sue and they're like you know they're writing they're like oh yeah he hung, he hung the bat the arrow like that's his eye it's like you know things that don't even make sense it's like oh yeah. this 100 pound kid took out uh lifted up this 200 pound claymore and sliced this dude in half no problem it's like dude what are you talking about or when they like talk about blacksmithing and they talk about how like that the they took like diamond and cross it and make like the, the sword hard as possible when a sword doesn't can't be brittle right the yeah. whole reason like what um would how japan like the the whole like samurai sword how like they used to make it is that they would take a thin layer of carbon and then they of like steel and they, they would put layers and layers of steel around it like folding it around it and like um almost like mm. empanadas, you know what I mean? Like yeah. folding it and folding it and folding it on one another. And then they would put it in an oven with charcoal and that charcoal will develop a, a, like a, a skin around it of like carbon, right? Mm. And what that would make is that when the forge was done is that it would have the outside extremely hard, but the inside was soft. Because when you're going and you're cutting something like a neck, right? You can't have something that's like a glass because what's going to happen when glass meets glass? Oh, it's going to break. <laughs> Shatter. You need something that's hard but soft to cut through. Things like that make the difference in when, you, when, when you're in a fantasy world, especially a fantasy world, hello, it's about taking you out of reality. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you mess up on little things like that, you just messed up the whole everything. <laughs> you, you, know? ruined, you took you me ruined, out of the moment. Yeah, you just ruined the whole moment. Good job. So we're coming up on the end of our time, but I wanted to ask you uh, first to plug where people can connect with you. Um, where they can find you and your stuff. Neotino.net, really. I mean, we can talk about the Instagram, the Twitter and all that, but everything <laughs> absolutely is already there. Neotino.net, the Instagram is there. The Give Semper giveaway is there. You can win a chance. You can get one of these gra- these bookmarks. Your very own. Get it customized, whatever, whatever you want. I'll make b- both sides, whatever. And you'll get a comic, a comic book of your choice. You know, I got a nice stack over here of really cool ones. Yeah, whatever you want. The Instagram's there. You can pre-order the books, graphics. Like I said, merch is coming up soon, everything. Word. So the last question I have um, before we do final takeaways, what's one, uh, what, what's one thing that, ins- what's the one thing that inspires you or the multiple things that inspire you? What, what inspires you? What keeps you going? People. I got my minor in psychology. Man, I really hate the amount of times I've been I've calling out my my education. I real feel I feel <laughs> pompous. I, I'm gonna listen to this podcast and want to beat myself up. I'm gonna clone myself and then beat myself up. Uh, but <laughs> but I really do love psychology. Mm. <clears throat> no, I just got a hair in my throat. Uh, furball. <laughs> uh, uh, I I love humans. Like just like honestly, like interactions. Like really, just like get me. I just love the way that people talk and the way that people think. I mean, the reason I made allegory was the whole thing that happened between me and me and my best friend. The reason that I made Banshee is because 
I had broken up with a person that I had thought was just like phenomenal. But then there was that one thing that it was just like really kind of like, just like off. And then I got obsessed with the idea of like, imagine a person that you can make that's like 90% perfect. And like, what Mm. would that 10% be? And then literally that sparked this whole other thing. I mean, just like that little thing, that uh, a really interesting nuance to me can spark thousands of ideas, thousands, Mm. thousands. And I can just... I just love. I'm 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 a wannabe philosopher. That's that's actually what I thought I was gonna be when I was a kid. I used to like get like really into like I used to read Socrates all day. I used to read like Art of War, all the books I like reference. I used to really read them and like The Republic, a lot of like Rolf Emerson, The Independence. All the, I used to like really get into. I thought like I was really gonna be like a philosopher, and uh, then I realized they get they don't they don't get paid, and I was like, oh. <laughs> so you okay. became an author. <laughs> so I became an author. <laughs> And they get even paid less. <laughs> <laughs> so are there hey. any, any, um, any final takeaways for the people listening right now? Any final takeaways? I have two covers coming out. One of them is made by the guy that does the covers for Marvel. All right. Stop playing with me. We coming out hard out here. Allegory of the End is coming early 2021. Debut novel is going to span a crazy saga that I'm... I can't even call it crazy. You'll determine crazy, but I can tell you I'm dumb excited to get it out to people. I've been thinking about this for way too long and I need some other people to verify me. <laughs> hey, so definitely go check that out when it drops. I'm super excited. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Yeah, um, I'm glad you were able to come on today. I feel like we're just helping each other grow and that's, that's how we should be as authors and as a writing community in general. As long as we're all eating, we're all happy. Hell yeah. And the table can keep growing. Yes. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at Inspired by Jamil and check out my website, inspiredbyjamil.com, for more resources. Peace. First, the symptoms of curse started from the bottom. Ain't no way that we gon' see worse. A product of environments that can't believe in you first. They need to see results. Just watch out as we're leeching the curse. Young, black, creative, just trying to make it. Interracial dating, money making, black power activists is never basic.